Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Absolute Return Podcast. On today's show, we welcome special guest and the 2022 Dealmaker of the Year, Danny Rice. Danny was the CEO of Rice Acquisition One, which merged with Arkea Energy in a $1.15 billion deal and then subsequently sold to BP for $4.1 billion. Danny is now the CEO of Rice Acquisition 2, which recently announced a $1.5 billion merger with NetPower, a clean energy technology company. On the show, Danny discusses key lessons learned from the Arkea Energy SPAC merger and subsequent sale to BP, a primer on NetPower's innovative clean energy technology. The case for U.S. shale gas powering reliable, clean, and low-cost power. What inspires him as an entrepreneur and business leader? And more. So with no further ado, here's our show with Danny Rice. Point of disclosure, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund does hold shares of Rice Acquisition 2. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcoming Danny Rice for the second time to the podcast after having a huge 2022 we're just talking about such a challenging market, especially in the DSPAC space. So many have just been crushed. There's been uh, a few winners. I don't think there's been a bigger winner than uh, Arkea Energy, though, getting acquired uh, by BP, 26 bucks a share. That deal just closed, and it's one of the big successes, Danny, you've had uh, since we last spoke on the podcast in 2021. Now it's 2023. A lot's happened. So what's new? Well, so I think as everybody saw, and I guess the reason why I'm here is to, to share our latest deal, which is our, our second SPAC, Rice Acquisition Corp. 2, uh, recently announced it's entering into a merger with private energy technology company NetPower. Uh, and we're going to be taking NetPower public through Rice Acquisition Corp. 2. There's a lot of really cool features about why we're really excited about NetPower. And it's in the energy space that we know quite dearly and we've had great success doing good for the environment, but also creating meaningful value for our shareholders. Yeah, definitely a ton of experience in the energy space and uh, a lot of big wins. Last time you were on the show, we talked about EQT and some of the other deals that you've done over the years and excited to get into NetPower today. Prior to getting into that, as you know, we did nominate you for 2022 Dealmaker of the Year, challenging market. You managed to sell Arkea 26 bucks a share, so 160% premium to the SPAC price. And that deal was basically, or, or LFG, as the ticker was, is barely in existence for a year, then sold for $4.1 billion, probably the best performing DSPAC of 2022. How did the deal happen? Yeah, I mean, it was it was all in the, the background of the merger section of the proxy. I think, you know, when you take a step back and you look at why we took our Kia public in the first place, it really came down to this is a what, what appears to be a nascent industry to most people. You know, most people had never really heard of renewable natural gas or landfill gas development before we announced the Arkea transaction. And I think for us, you know, we were private investors in Arkea going all the way back to 2018. And we saw this fantastic opportunity to create a ton of value 
in continuing to consolidate the RNG space before everybody really picked their head up and realized how much value potential there really was there. And that really was the genesis of why we did the SPAC with Rice Acquisition Corp. 1 and our key in the first place was this is a phenomenal industry. At some point, everybody else is going to figure out how economic and how beneficial it is to the environment. We need to provide as much capital to this company as possible to capture those opportunities while we can still get them at a very, very reasonable price. And so that was really the investment thesis of taking our Kia public in the first place was get access to the capital, capture the opportunity and build a large scalable platform. And I think as everybody saw, we merged the business with BP. And I think a lot of just the, the commercial strategy on growing our Kia really drew on that oil and gas playbook of acquire the core acreage. Eventually somebody is going to say, that core acreage is quite strategic to my commercial ambitions, to my environmental ambitions. What's the best way for me to get a foothold within this space? Now, if you're a large company, it's a lot more impractical to try to organically grow something one landfill at a time and try to build something of size. For those larger companies, for it to actually move the needle and make it worth their time, they need to do something much, much larger. And so Arkea, you know, by the middle of 2022, was you know the largest developer of RNG in the world. We had scooped up really, really high volume, attractive, valuable landfills. And eventually we got to this position where if somebody really wanted to enter the RNG space with a splash and really establish themselves as the leader, Arkea becomes the most attractive target. And ultimately that's, that's what BP concluded as well, is they looked at how do we decarbonize how can we do it in a way that leverages our existing oil and gas skill sets, but is also really, really meaningful to the environment? And so their long-term strategic ambitions really lined up with the assets that the Arkea team had been able to compile over the course of the last few years. And it's both the skill set and the actual physical landfill gas assets that the company had. So it really was um, a win-win situation for both BP and for the Arkea shareholders. Now, the strategy or playbook that you brought to the SPAC, that thesis really played out beautifully. Now, in terms of running uh, the second one, uh, Rice Acquisition 2, just announced that net power deal. Were there any uh, skills or ideas, um, additional plays to your playbook that you learned going from soup to nuts, basically SPAC IPO uh, to business combination, de-SPAC, and ultimately exit at a large premium? Anything you picked along that timeline that you could apply or that you did apply to your second blank check vehicle? Yeah, so certainly, so so net power and, and just for the listeners at home, what the net power company has developed, essentially invented, is a new power generation process. And so that's a power generation process that takes natural gas, it captures all of the emissions from the combustion process. So you're left with pure stream of CO2 that's ready to be sequestered you know, deep down hole, you have 300 megawatts of utility scale power, and you have a little bit of water. And that, those are the real outputs here. And so it really allows you to create this zero emission power source that leverages the reliability and affordability of natural gas. And so I think thematically, where we really get excited about net power, just like with our key, and we said, once people realize the, the value of, of RNG and landfills, this is going to be a, a, a very valuable company. And I think what we're seeing now in the world today, especially around power, is everybody is now saying, for the last 100 years, I've had access 
uh, reliable, low-cost electricity. And But now all of a sudden, I want it to be clean. And unfortunately, we've kind of seen this movement over the last few years to really focus on just the clean aspect of power. And unfortunately, when you pivot too hard to just clean, but you don't have a solution that's able to deliver that 24-7 reliable power source, you end up with a lot of reliability issues. You end up with a lot of cost issues. And that's kind of playing out real time. You know, in some parts of the United States, it's certainly playing out to a much larger degree, unfortunately, in Europe, where they started to pivot way too fast to wind and solar to get that clean energy that I think everybody wants and deserves but they lost the reliability and cost that goes along with it. And so net power really plays to this one really important theme of we need the energy trifecta. We need our energy to be clean. We need it to be low cost and we need it to be reliable. The problem that we have in the world today is, you know, until net power, there wasn't a single energy source that was able to deliver this energy trifecta. But that's ultimately what net power does. And so really like the investment thesis is quite simple. The world wants the energy trifecta there's no solution to do it today. Net power for the last 10 years has been proving this technology that delivers that energy trifecta. And so we're, this company is now really pivoting from proving the technology. And they built a demonstration plant in Texas to prove that their oxy combustion supercritical CO2 process works. And so now we're pivoting from proving the technology to now really starting to commercialize this technology. And so we have a fantastic owner group from the private side that's rolling all of their equity into the public company. These aren't private equity companies. These are some of the lar- most important, largest energy companies in the world, Occidental Petroleum, Constellation Energy, Baker Hughes, and then technology developer Eight Rivers. So uh, fantastic support from a fantastic owner group. And the opportunity set here that we see for net power is probably one of the largest that we've come across in the energy space. This podcast is brought to you by Accelerate, one of Canada's leading alternative investment solution providers. Do you want to hedge your investment portfolio and protect your nest egg from significant drawdowns? Look no further than the Accelerate Absolute Return Hedge Fund, a long-short equity ETF that trades under the ticker symbol HEDGE, H-D-G-E, on the TSX. HEDGE, your uncorrelated portfolio diversifier. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Before we go into a bit more on, on net power as well, what do you think are some of the most interesting dynamics from a macro perspective in the current energy market um, that are maybe a little less followed? One thing that you mentioned was the energy trifecta, but is there anything else that that comes to mind that's really interesting in the space right now? Well, I think one of the one of the challenges is everybody's starting to spend so much more time and energy in dollars trying to develop new technologies to decarbonize. Right. And and that was really one of our mandates with Rice Acquisition Corp. too, was our investment mandate is we're going to go find a company that is going to become a leader in baseload, low carbon power generation. And so that's really where we spent the past year and a half was scanning the entire universe of opportunities. And there's a ton of great companies working on early stage technology around advanced geothermal, around blue hydrogen, around all shades of hydrogen, really advanced nuclear, advanced battery development. But I think when you kind of line all of those up and you compare them to net power, net power is more advanced. They've kind of proven this technology. First commercialization is going to be in 2026 with our utility scale plant, which is, you know, in the case of all these other nascent technologies, you know, a decade ahead of them in terms of deployment. 
And, and the, the, the most important piece is back to with landfills, really understanding the reliability of that feedstock that's creating RNG. The feedstock to net power is just natural gas, right? And, and natural gas, as we know it is, it's plentiful. Here in the United States, we have over 100 years of reserves at, at, at a cost that's much, much lower than the prices that you're seeing on the screen today. And so we're sitting here today saying we have access to over a century's worth of really, really low-cost, reliable natural gas, both here domestically but also abroad. And that becomes such a powerful, valuable feedstock, especially if we're able to deliver it in a way that captures all of the emissions. And so I think that just, just back to like that the whole theme and on other things that we're seeing out there, people are really scrambling at this point because everybody wants clean energy, but they also want it to be reliable in low cost and there's just no solutions out there to do it and so that's creating a bit of predicament not just for states and folks at you know the federal levels but it's it's creating like real issues for for people that are starting to demand something that doesn't yet exist and so i think net power really becomes that bipartisan solution where you get the clean energy you want but you also get the reliability and the low cost features that i think everybody over the last hundred years has become so accustomed to especially here domestically. With that, there's all these competing technologies trying to bring clean power. As you indicated, we already have low-cost reliable power through the standard natural gas power plant. Now, what is net power's technological solution? How does it work in terms of helping these uh, natural gas power plants become clean? Yep. So there's, so there's really two pieces to the process. And this is an entirely new power generation machine. So this isn't something where you can retrofit it on an existing power plant, right? This is all components of this thing are specialized specifically for this type of power generation process. And it starts with oxy combustion on the front end. And so the the largest issue for carbon capture from power generation today is that flue gas is only 5% CO2 from a combined cycle natural gas fired plant. And it's eight or 9% from a coal plant. The other 90 to 95% of that flue gas is actually nitrogen. And that's nitrogen that's coming from the atmosphere as it's entering the combustion chamber. So that's the real problem is we need to get rid of the nitrogen so that the nitrogen does not go through the combustion chamber. And so what the net power guys is they said, well, let's stick an air separation unit on the front end so that the only thing we have going into the combustion chamber is your natural gas, methane, and a pure stream of oxygen. So that's oxy combustion. It's been around for a long time. People use it all over the place, but this application is really unique because now we have oxy combustion and all you end up with is power and a pure stream of CO2. Now what the net power guys did that's really smart and really novel is they said, we have this pure stream of CO2 and in a typical natural gas power plant, the working fluid to actually spin that turbine and turn heat into power is they use steam, right? A steam turbine. But the really cool thing about CO2 is at a certain pressure, it becomes super critical. And that's typically above 2,200 pounds per square inch PSI. And so above 2,200 PSI, CO2 has a much better density factor compared to steam and water and really any other um, element out there. And it actually becomes a much more efficient working fluid to spin that turbine. And so the net power guys said, since we have this pure stream of CO2 from the oxy combustion process, let's boost the pressure on that CO2 and use that as the working fluid in the turbine. And so that's what creates this oxy combustion, supercritical CO2 process. 
So that supercritical CO2 is used to spin the turbine and then it eventually comes out and it's in this pure form that's ready for sequestration. And so you end up with 45 million cubic feet of gas per day going into the plant and you end up with 300 megawatt hours of power for electricity and a pure stream of CO2 that's ready to be captured. And that's really it. And so that's like the recipe to be able to really reduce our capture cost of CO2. And so that CO2 is is ready to be put into a pipeline and ready to be injected permanently sequestered in saline aquifers, you know, a mile underground, two miles underground, or you can utilize that CO2 for other applications, like for enhanced soil recovery. But the most important thing is this plant captures over 97% of the CO2 that would otherwise be emitted from a traditional natural gas plant, or one and a half million tons from a traditional coal-fired power plant. And so when we just look at the market potential for this company, there's the equivalent of 17,000 net power plant deployments we can do across the world to just replace existing coal and gas plants and meet this energy trifecta that I think everybody's asking for. Yeah, especially with a lot of governments around the world putting a major price on carbon emissions. If you can sequester that, then at some point, just even financially, above and beyond just the um, you know society issues and, and everyone moving to this... Uh, clean power state, um, it'll affect the bottom line and become cheaper, I'm sure. Now, one thing that's really interesting about this fact deal, perhaps unprecedented in the space, is you're um, going to become the CEO. Uh, typically, from a SPAC sponsor, they you know either wash their hands of it or maybe stay on the board, but you're going to be very actively involved in leading net power after the business combination closes. Uh, so what's your strategy to grow the company and, and we'll lead it into the future. Yeah, so as part of the diligence process, when we really started to, to, to dig into the net power story, the strategy, the technology, and just the opportunity set that, that the company has, you know, we, quick, we quickly realized, like, not that the world's looking for a single solution to just solve all of our climate woes and, and meet our energy needs, but the net power technology really does that. And so, I mean, so we kind of said, yeah, this is this could be a great investment for investors, but more importantly, like the world really needs this technology now more than ever, and and it's imperative that this company gets it right. Now, they could certainly get it right without without my involvement. Um, they're such a great team there, and they're so smart. But I kind of said, man, this could be a really really fun opportunity to really help commercialize this and grow this into a really important company in in the energy future. And I think that the unique thing kind of with my background, I've had the benefit and I guess the good fortune of, you know, starting companies from scratch and then growing them into, you know, really, really large energy enterprises in the past. And so I've, I've done that playbook multiple times over, you know, first with Rice Energy, we grew it into an idea into what's now the largest, largest natural gas producer in North America, EQT. Toby, the middle rice brother, who was a founder with me at Rice, is the CEO of EQT now. I'm still on the board. So we have that perspective of what it takes to grow something from an idea into an industry leader. And so we did it at Rice. We did it at Rice Midstream. We did it at Arkea, where we took it from an idea and the management team grew it into the largest RNG developer in the world. And so there is a, a certain bit of a playbook that we can go by for how net power is going to grow from what's now more than just an idea, it's proven technology into really just capturing the full potential that they have. 
and then I think the other thing that's that's so so I have that experience to do this that I think is quite relevant here. And then I think the other part that's really important with net power is these power plants capture so much CO2. Like this utility scale power plant is capturing over 800,000 tons of CO2 per year. And if you can deploy, you know, a thousand of these across the United States, you know, you're, you're talking about essentially decarbonizing the entire U.S. power generation industry. One and a half billion tons of CO2 per year go away. But that's one and a half billion tons of CO2 that has to go somewhere, right? And so it requires a really solid skill set on understanding the surface to where you can permanently sequester the CO2. So it really taps into that subsurface geology skill set really grown out of the oil and gas industry to ensure that that CO2 is permanently sequestered safely and securely for the next thousand, two thousand years. And so one of the other things that we're going to be able to bring to net power is this expertise and really understanding the subsurface with where you can put these net power plants. Because you can't just put this plant anywhere. You really have to understand, I want to be as close to the sink as possible so that I don't have to build a lot of pipe and so that I can ensure that the amount of power I'm producing on the surface is not going to be curtailed because of impediments with understanding the subsurface and being able to sequester the CO2. So NetPower really becomes this really cool company where massive commercial potential on the above ground stuff but also massive commercial potential on the sequestration of the CO2. And Julian, you kind of hit it a little bit on carbon credits and subsidies for, for CO2, but just here in the United States, what really makes net power shine here domestically is for each ton of CO2 that we're able to sequester, the federal government will pay you $85 per ton. Now, when you're producing 800, when you're capturing 800,000 tons of CO2 per year and you're getting paid $85 per ton, and there's really no cost for us to cap, to, to process or separate it because that CO2 is in just pure form, um, that's, you know, close to $70 million a year in revenue. And I mean, so you can almost, you actually can completely underwrite the plant economics on just the CO2 sequestration alone. And so that actually sets up power prices to go down for consumers, right? And so that's 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 really where we see net power shining is we can deliver this really low cost clean energy that people haven't seen before. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long term performance. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF, symbol 1C. ONEC on the TSX is Canada's first alternatives portfolio solution, providing exposure to six alternative asset classes, 10 alternative strategies in one easy to use, one choice ETF that charges a management fee of just 0.2%. The Accelerate One Choice Alternative Portfolio ETF trades under the symbol 1C ONEC on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Absolutely. It really is compelling economics. And so along that thread, can you talk a little bit about the decision around the business model on choosing a capital light licensing approach rather than building out projects on your own and, and why that would be fit? This, this business model is, is perhaps more favorable for investors. Yep. So, so when, when the net power team started to come up with the idea of designing this power generation process you know it hadn't been done before because nobody was really putting a value on capturing co2 
right? It was just, there's there no money in it. There's no value in it. And I think the net power guys, to their credit, a whole decade ago said, at some point, there's actually going to be a social cost of carbon. There's actually going to be a reason why we need to capture it. Let's come up with a process that can capture at the lowest possible cost. And so that's where they came up with this entire oxy-combustion supercritical CO2 process. And while coming up with it, they started to build a massive patent portfolio around it. And so they're sitting here today with a huge IP portfolio that, that essentially makes it that if you want to build a net power plant, you have to come to net power. And so that gives us total latitude with how are we going to commercialize this? How are we going to create value from this business? And I think the, the simplest way to do that is just do a licensing model, right? Where if somebody wants to build a net power plant to decarbonize and deliver baseload zero carbon power to their constituents, you can come to net power, you can acquire a license and you pay us a license fee and an ongoing royalty. And so we kind of put it in the slide deck, you know, what that's worth to us. And it's around $65 million for each plant. And so if you just kind of put that into the context of what we're taking the company public at, we're taking the company public at a one and a half billion dollar valuation. And so you only really need to say, these guys need to build 30 or 40 of these plants to really underwrite the equity valuation today. Now, the market potential that I kind of mentioned before, there's 17,000 applications of a net power plant globally, over 1,000 here in the United States, just looking domestically here in the U.S., you know, if, if we just pursue a 100% licensing model, you know, 65 million PV times 1,000 plants is, you know, $65 billion market potential just here in the U.S., just for licensing. So that's like a pretty awesome place to start. But I think certainly our skill set and being able to understand the subsurface, being able to understand where the sinks are, being able to lay on top of that, where are the power markets, what are power market prices, lay out all of the power transmission lines, put on all of the gas pipelines on a map. We're going to definitely be able to identify some really cool bright spots as to where these plants belong. And so that certainly lends itself to us becoming a little bit more proactive in really starting to originate projects. And so the nice thing for us is the valuation that we're taking this company public at is completely underwritten by just the licensing model and really just limited deployment of this licensing model. But the opportunity set that we see is certainly much, much larger than than what we're taking a company public at. And that's a really interesting aspect about the story and the you know net power entity going public that won't be commercialized in terms of generating revenue until 2026. Uh, as CEO, how do you convince investors to underwrite that $1.5 billion valuation without revenue? I, I know, especially in the current market, it's definitely challenging for companies without cash flow, without profits, um, you know, but you guys can make it work. What are some major themes behind that? Yeah, I mean, it, re it really comes back to establishing like what you really think an addressable market is, what you really think potential deployment and penetration within that market is. And you can do it a couple of ways. You can do a discounted cash flow analysis. You know, this is certainly a high growth company that's probably not going to trade on on a on any sort of multiple of next year's cash flow, even once the first plant is online. I think the most impactful thing that I think for investors to understand is once we start to really establish a pipeline of projects, just this backlog of projects for deliveries in 2026 and beyond, people are going to really start to see quite quickly the future value that's going to be coming to net power uh, and really through you know an asset-like business model. And so that's that's one of the things that I'm, I'm most excited about over the next few years is getting the net power story out there 
and really starting to build this commercial backlog in advance of our first plant coming online in 2026. Now you're already starting to see plenty of demand for this technology. I think one of the things that's really surprising is until we announced this transaction with NetPower, 90% of the prospective investors we met with had never heard of the company. They said, I didn't even know something like this was being developed, right? And so this taking this company public really is now going to put a much better, broader spotlight on what this technology can do. And so this really does become a godsend of sorts for a lot of the utilities that are starting to come up with plans for net zero in 2030 or 2040 or 2050. And they're kind of sitting there saying, I can't make the numbers work to get there without decarbonizing coal and gas. And I can't afford to take those off my grid system. So they're just kind of sitting there waiting for nuclear fusion to happen, or they're waiting for something that just doesn't exist today. But now net power really becomes a legitimate solution to help them achieve those goals much, much sooner. And you look to, say, Europe, for example, and it seems like they're going backwards, uh, firing up coal plants, so doing the opposite of decarbonization, unfortunately. So it's great to see new technologies being developed and what net power has seems uh, super, super compelling, uh, the process and, and how you get that energy trifecta, clean, low cost, reliable power that everyone wants and deserves. Now, Danny, a personal question. You had a massive 2022, uh, several significant exits under your belt, yet seems to be no resting on your laurels. You sold LFG, now on to the next one. Retirement elusive, it seems. What inspires you? What keeps you going? You seem really excited about this net power project. Like the most exciting thing to me about net power is how impactful it can be to the United States and to the world in achieving. We kind of saw that firsthand with rice energy, right? When we grew rice energy into one of the largest natural gas producers in the country, we also saw a reduction in U.S. CO2 emissions, which was kind of unprecedented because GDP was still growing, the country was still growing, but we yet we saw emissions go down. And so for us, that was really like an eye-opener where we said, wow, like we can take this energy skill set, we can create value, we can give energy, we can give the world the energy they need, and we can save the environment at the same time. We kind of said, that's a pretty special skill set. And so I think... Unfortunately, like despite natural gas being the primary driver of a reduction in U.S. CO2 emissions over the last 10 years, there's a lot of folks out there that are rooting for the demise of, of natural gas and you know, certainly coal. And we kind of said, not only do we need these energy sources, but we're pretty sure we're going to be able to develop the technologies that make these the most important ways to achieve the decarbonization goals that I think everybody aspires for us to hit. And so as we were kind of evaluating that power, you know, as, as much as there's a, a major, um, you know, financial benefit to doing a good deal, I think for, for me and the Rice team, we kind of said, we almost have this moral obligation to contribute our skills where they're needed. And, and I think quite honestly, like the biggest challenge that we have right now as a planet is achieving our energy needs so that everybody can achieve and have the quality of life that I think everybody deserves. And, and that really is built on a foundation of access to low-cost, reliable energy. But the other thing that the world's desperately needing now is we need to decarbonize. And, and I think, like quite honestly, I probably wouldn't be able to live with myself 
if if I didn't jump in to try to do my part for for the benefit of broader society. So there really wasn't too much thinking that I had to do before saying I need to do this. Yeah, I mean the uh, the story is super compelling. You definitely appear to be very passionate about it, and there's a lot of drivers behind what you're trying to accomplish. And the best part is everyone benefits. If we can get that energy trifecta, clean, low-cost, reliable energy, and there's all these competing technologies, NetPower is a, a really compelling competitor and seems like you're well on your way to uh, completing the goals here. And it paints to a, a bright future for consumers and something that every single person on the planet needs, which is power and electricity. So Danny, wishing you all the best with the net power, not just the business combination, but leading the entity as CEO after that. Uh, excited to see what's in store and perhaps we'll have to have you on for a record a uh, third time in the future. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Julian. Thanks, Mike. This has been a, a blast hanging out with you guys again. All right, thanks so much. Take care and best of luck. Thanks, guys. Okay, bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.